His fantastic form at club levels handed him a chance here today. He makes his international debut. You're listening to Dr. James's One Cap Wonders. He asks, was one enough or was it one too many? Um, but you've got, I've got to reflect back always on the Scott, uh, League Cup final in 2012 that I won with Kilmarnock and I probably had the best game of my career at the right moment. Um, and these are defining moments in your career because everyone looks at that performance, knows you can do it on a big stage against Celtic, one of the, they were one of the best clubs in the country at the side, had a really, really strong team. It's something the fans have wanted for him for such a long time. He finally gets his first international cap. Hello and welcome to One Cap Wonders. In this series we ask, was one cap not enough? Or was it one too many? And joining us today is ex-Rangers goalkeeper Cammy Bell. Cammy, thank you so much for being here. Cammy, looking back, was football always on the cards for you or could you have done anything else? I think it was always on the cards um, when I was younger. Again, I started at a young age, probably around about eight or nine. Um, probably not as young as kids nowadays. Um, but then it was, it was football, football, football. Every night of the week I was out training um, with different clubs and it's all I wanted to do, play with my friends at the start with. Then you soon start to realise you're, you're good in a certain position. For me it was a goalkeeper um, and then it just sort of developed from there and started to get more serious, started with Annan and then um, managed to go Queen of the South as, as a sort of pro club um, and then it developed into the Kilmarnock journey for me. So it was, it was a really enjoyable experience but probably one that was always going to end up being a footballing journey for me. Many of the players we talked to talk about the impact their families had. Were your family a big, did they play a big role in your career and your development? Oh, massive, massive. And again, um, yeah, I can't thank my family enough. Again, my dad just travelled to every single game with me. Um, throughout my career, until I finished my career, was at every single game. Um, remember I had a spell when I was at Rangers, he went with we pre-season in America and all of a sudden he's jumping on a flight watching pre-season games in America. So he was that, that committed to just wanting to see his son obviously doing well and, and playing. So yeah, from a young age he used to travel the, the country um, up and down and I actually had a spell when I was younger at Charlton Athletic um, when I was still at school so I was flying down there as well so my dad would take time off work to go down there so um, yeah, it was a real commitment and something I can't thank them enough for. Did you feel pressure when you were younger to make it or were you just, when you had so much support behind you or did you just want to see where the journey took you? Um, no, you do feel pressure again when you're, when you're good at something. I, I feel as if that's a natural process that you, you feel pressure because there's an expectation for you to do well. Sometimes that can be turned into a really good thing and, and drive you on, but also as a young kid it's difficult to handle at times. And listen, there was many a times that I came home probably in tears and, and maybe didn't think I was good enough in the game, but the reassurance and the support from your family and friends, it gets you through these um, moments and also moulds you into the person that you are because, listen, football is a, a ruthless industry. It's a really tough industry, but it's one that you've got to go and embrace and enjoy. So, yeah, it was, it was, a, it was a learning curve right from the start, from a young age, with that pressure, that expectation. And then, but again, as I say, family support and friend support really takes you through it. How important was it for you to have local clubs that give you opportunities here rather than having to you know, start your career in Norway or Sweden or in somewhere in the south of Wales? 
No, it's, it's massively important. I think that's um, something nowadays that um, Scotland as a country has embraced. That uh, clubs are very well run in this day and age and offer the opportunity to young kids at such a young age, a lot younger than when I started playing sort of four and five. I took my young kid to a, a soccer school who's only, he's only three at the moment. Um, so gets him kicking a ball and active and interacting with kids. So the opportunities in this country is great at the moment and I think we've really developed. Um, but it's really, really is important that clubs like Anne Fleck and Queen of South, my two local sort of clubs, back in the day they were they were embracing football. They wanted to go on a journey themselves as football clubs. Um, and, the, and they offered the opportunity to young kids who, who had a chance, like myself, um, of developing and being a professional footballer. And again, it's something you can't thank these clubs and, and all the coaches that put in the time because a lot of them are, don't get paid for it. Um, so you can't thank them enough for doing that. Was there a point along this early stage of your path when you thought, I'm actually going to make this happen, this is going to become a reality for me? Um, there were certain moments. Uh, I remember probably when I was younger, there was a, an air tournament. Um, they used to call it the air tournament. It was, a, it was a big tournament. There used to be a lot of big clubs um, from down England. Man United, Newcastle used to send their teams up and it was sort of under 13 um, age groups and... Yeah, I remember having a couple of really good games and you always hear these these whispers of, oh, the scouts are watching. Yeah, and I remember actually one uh, day my parents got a phone call from Manchester City scout. Um, I was actually playing the regional school team at this point. So that was just these sort of moments almost think you're really close but yet far away. You had that one phone call, that nothing emerged of that, but it was, it was nice to hear and you know you're close. So um, it gives you that little bit of inspiration and drive to continue doing what you're doing and work hard and ultimately working hard was probably the biggest thing for me. I trained every single night, I dedicated myself to football when I was younger um, and and it probably got me to where I was. I wouldn't say I'm specially talented but I worked really hard for what I wanted to get. And along that path, a number of clubs, I suppose, helped shape and mould you. Um, which would you say was one of the most defining periods for you in your career? Um, oh, listen, I've got to say my, my time at Kilmarnock... Um, especially being a youth player, going from the youth team, spending, again, I had a, a couple of really good players. Jamie Hamill made it to Hearts, obviously played a lot of games with Kilmarnock, he was no manager of Sunra, um, but Steve Naismith, again, was in my team. They were both in my team from a young age, um, same age group, and, and again, having these guys drive you on uh, and see where Steve Naismith went earlier on in his career than what I did, that's where I wanted to get to. He got his move to Rangers. Um, you wanted to get that move. Um, but I think the period at Kilmarnock, really moulded me into the goalkeeper I was. Kilmarnock as a side at that point, I was making 10 saves a game when I got into the team, so it was it was a, a club that would have to work hard to get points. Um, and you're playing the top top league in Scottish football, so it was a, a good, good standard. Um, but you've got I've got to reflect back always on the Scott, uh, League Cup final in 2012 that I won with Kilmarnock, and I probably had the best game of my career at the right moment. Um, and these are defining moments in your career because everyone looks at that performance knows you can do it on a big stage against Celtic. One of the, they were one of the best clubs in the country at the side. Had a really really strong team. Um, Victor Wanyama was in there. Uh, Gary Hooper, Fraser Foster. So they had an impressive side at that time. Um, and to get that victory on that day and, and putting the performance that I did, I think it made people realise that the kind of talent and and sort of mentality I had at that moment in time. But that was a real defining moment in my career, definitely. Getting a move to one of the big two in this country. Is, was that something that you had aspired to do, What was to break into one of the big, big clubs here or down south? 
Yeah, definitely was. It was always to get that move away from Kilmarnock and that's no disrespect to Kilmarnock, but you always wanted to better yourself. And this is Dr. James's One Cap Wonders. He's on the hunt for the Chumba Wombas of international football. When I had the opportunity to go to Rangers, it was a it was a big moment. I remember getting a phone call and, and I went and met um, the Rangers goalkeeping coach. I had a chat with him and a coffee with him and just the expectations you were going to face going to the club. Listen, I'd played against Rangers a lot in my career with Wilkomarnock, um, but going and playing for a club is a completely different um, scenario. So I had that opportunity. I had the opportunity to go down to Burnley as well at the same time. So there was a lot of clubs kind of sniffing about me because I was out of contract, I was a free agent. So it makes you very attractive at that point. So... Um, yeah, so it was it was great that I got that move because that's ultimately where I wanted to go. Um, and listen, I'm a Rangers fan. I was always a Rangers fan as a kid. So to, to live that dream um, is an amazing sort of experience and, and feeling that I, I managed to get playing for such a historical club. And for your family, that must have meant a lot as well. Yeah, it did. And it was, listen, it was a, I always remember the discussion with my family when I said that Rangers were interested in my dad was a little bit concerned because they were done the leagues at the time. Listen, financially, it was a huge um, change in my in my life and my career. Um, but he was a little bit concerned where they were. But ultimately, it was the opportunity to play in front of so many fans, such a historical club in Scottish football. Um, and it was a long-term contract for me as well. So that was another major marker that I wanted to get was a, a good contract. But I wanted to play for a club that I'd supported. Um, as I say, I had the opportunity to go down to Burnley and speak to them. I'd already made my mind up when I spoke to the goalie coach at Rangers. I spoke to Ali McCoy, who was the manager at the time. Um, and they convinced me that it was an opportunity that I definitely couldn't turn down. Um, it was somewhere I wanted to go. and um, As I say, it was a little bit funny when, when it first came out and had discussions with my family. But listen, they absolutely supported. They loved my time there as well. So, Supporting and playing for a massive club is a bit of a difference. Did you struggle with the, with the crossover being aware of what the fans wanted and also what, as both internally what you wanted as a fan but also as the number one choice in, between the sticks? Yeah, listen, it's, it's, um, you can't explain to people playing for a club like Rangers what it's like until you're actually there. Um, I thought I kind of knew what I'd faced. I'd played at Ibrox many a times against Rangers. I knew their expectation. I'm a, I'm a fan. I'm, I'm Scottish. So I, I, get, the, I get the club. But until you actually go into the, the brick walls of Ibrox and feel that expectation, um, it's really difficult to explain to people. And still to this day, I think guys that go in there, they don't realise how big a football club it is globally until they play for, for Rangers. Um, so it was, it, was a, it was a changing moment. It almost probably took two or three months to sink in of how difficult it was going to be and how much expectation there was. Listen, there was games when we were down the leagues that we won and we got booed off and that was just the expectations of the fans and what, what they'd expect. And rightly so, listen, they're a, they're a huge club. They were in a league that they didn't want to be in. There was a lot of frustration about the club at that point. A lot of question marks over the ownership as well. So there was there was a, a little bit of negativity, but I, I just think getting that opportunity to, to experience in that and, and feel that the expectation, the pressure, everything that comes with it, it does make you a better person. It's difficult at times, don't get me wrong, it is really difficult, but it makes you a better person. Your club career um, was going the way you wanted it to go. Were there murmurs about the international scene 
for you and the international setup? Yeah, again, uh, I think going back to the defining moment of my career, the 2012 League Cup final, Craig Levine was in the BBC, covered that I think at the time, and, and Craig Levine was in the studio that day and was very complimentary of my performance. Um, and then that's when I started to hear that, again, there were, there were going to be a, an interest of getting in the squad. I mean, my problem at that moment in time was I was facing goalkeeper calibre of Craig Gordon, Alan McGregor, David Marshall. They were the three goalies that I was competing with. And th these guys were at an age of, of just under 30 as well. So it wasn't as if they were older. They were in the prime of their career. Um, Craigie was down at Sunderland at the time. Alan was obviously playing with Rangers. Um, and David was, uh, I think he was possibly down at Cardiff at the time. So they were playing at such a high standard. And it was it was probably, when I look back, the strongest goalkeeping selection Scotland have had for a long, long time. Um, and And... That was the hardest part to break into. Um, so I knew it was going to be tough, but all I could do was concentrate myself. I wanted to be involved, whether it was third or second choice, it didn't matter to me. I wanted to be involved because I knew it would develop my career first and foremost. International footballers who were on the fringes of the international setup have always told me that they didn't want to speak out. They didn't want to kind of raise the alarm bells or go to newspapers or say anything because there's that kind of respect and that they and that they were politely respectful of the national team. Were you in that position as well? Yeah, I would say so. Again, just purely down to the competition that I had against myself in, in the goalkeeping um, area that it was so strong. And listen, these guys have, have had amazing careers. Um, so I wasn't in the position. I just wanted to play well for my club um, at Comarnock at the time and wanted to try and get involved with the setup. If there was an injury, be ready for the call-up if it was available. It was always on the back of my mind, don't get me wrong, when I was playing well at that moment in time, I wanted to be involved because you're desperate to, to try and represent your country or even be involved with the squads to learn so much from these experienced guys. So it was always on the back of my mind, but again, as you say, you don't want to speak out. It's up to the manager to go and select you. You're listening to Dr James's One Cap Wonders. He's looking for international football's Chesney Hawks. When you got the call, or was it a text, um, what went through your mind? It was a call, actually. I got I got a call um, from Craig Levine at the time, um, and, and he basically said, look, your performances have been amazing this season, and you've been doing really, really well, and you deserve this opportunity to be in the squad. And it's just, listen, it's, it's such a proud moment. Um, you don't, you almost don't realise how big a moment it is at that time. Um the, I remember all the boys got the, the manager Kenny Shields at Kilmarnock at the time brought all the boys in and I, I think I was out somewhere and they all gave me a round of applause when I went back into the, the changing room because it was a big thing for Kilmarnock at that time they didn't have a lot of international players um, so it was a huge moment for me a very proud moment um, just that opportunity to, to be involved with some amazing footballers and, and guys who have played at the top top level Dan Fletcher played for Man U for so many years really experienced guy to be involved with these guys and be around in that environment um, it can only better you and if you could talk us through what was your your appearance like and and how did it go so yeah so i played against um, the faroe islands um for for scotland um i came on as sub for craig gordon who at the time so as i say it was so difficult to break the the, the get into the team with the goalies that were ahead of me but it was a an opportunity um, that I absolutely loved. It was up at at Aberdeen. My dad was there again, followed me everywhere. Um, so yeah, so it was great. I'd been told before the game that I was going to get an opportunity in the game and play a, a half for for 
um, Craig. Um, so it was just such a proud moment um, and a great moment because I'd been in a lot of squads up to that point. Um, been over in Spain, we'd been obviously I was in the squad when Scotland played against Brazil down at the Emirates. Um, so I had loads of experience of being around these squads and seeing the, the players on the pitch in big, big moments, big European ties. Um, but then to actually get the opportunity to play in a game was was brilliant for me. It was it was just um, just what I wanted, and I'm very grateful for that. You seem very humble, having only got uh, forty five minutes really for your country. Not a lot of players would be as humble and as as was as modest as you. Where do you think that comes from? Is that something you you, you have you always been like this, or is it something that you look back on now? Or <laughs> no, no. Listen, I'm a very humble person. I think. Listen, I really respect everyone's decision in, in football. Craig Levine had a, de, a decision to make. Gordon Strachan was involved in a few of Gordon's squads as well. They had decisions to make. But ultimately, I, I look at back and I go, the calibre of goalkeepers I was up against was so strong. At one moment in time, I remember them speaking about being a, the strongest, probably could have been the strongest three of the five in in the UK at that time between McGregor, um, Gordon and Marshall. They would have been in the top five in the UK um, at the time. So they were they were playing at such a high level. It was so difficult to get an opportunity for me um, that when you get it, you've got to be very grateful. Um, and I learnt so much from going away with the squads. I learnt so much from being around top, top professionals, guys who are at the top of the game. And again, getting friendly with these guys and knowing them nowadays um, is an amazing sort of life experience for me. Coming towards the end of your career, and um, were you hopeful that you might get other call-ups or did you think that, that that time had passed? Yeah, I think that, that listen, the way your club career goes, I, I think you know that there are opportunities maybe passed you by. Um, so there was a, a period where I was involved for three or four years. I was in a lot of squads, as I said. Um, but then again, when you move, I moved away from Rangers, went to Dundee United, had a really good season at Dundee United and enjoyed my, my football there. Um, went back to Kamarnock and it didn't quite work out. So at that moment in time, I kind of thought, you know what, I, I've maybe missed it. I, I then turned over 30. So the other guys were playing really high standard of football still so it was, it was always going to be difficult to to come back up the ladder I would say um, but yeah listen you've got to you've got to look back on it fondly and and as I say I always speak with a smile on my face about my career and there's hard moments in your career but there's also them amazing moments and being an international football player is one of the moments that's amazing. You're listening to Dr James's One Cap Wonders. The transition from your, the end of your playing career into what happens next has been discussed and debated in sports science and sports psychology um, all across developed world countries. For yourself, were you prepared for the end or was it something that you were kind of pushing back against? No, listen, I had a huge amount of injuries in my career. I think I had over 10 operations in the end up. Um, so it was a lot of injuries and I'd, it was injuries that basically pushed me to the end that frustration with myself that I couldn't do what I used to be able to do and that had to become a decision that I had to make for myself my own sanity again you get frustrated with yourself and a little bit disheartened um, at football 
and that was the moment I, I kind of had to step away. I was at Queen's Park at the time. I'd been with a manager, Ray McKinnon, that I'd been with at three different clubs. I had the conversation with him and I said, look, I think it's time for me to step away because I feel so frustrated with myself. Um, my body can't do what I want to do in my head. Um, and he, listen, he was great with me. He, he encouraged me to, to stay involved with football. He offered me time off to think about it, but I'd made my decision. I wanted to step away. Um, but listen, you, 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 I don't think you can ever prepare yourself for life outside football straight away. It does take you time to to sort of navigate your, your, your way around a normal working life and, and where you go with your career. And this is... This is a, also, I've had this conversation with people, it's guys who have made millions and guys who haven't made and need to go straight into work. Everyone's different. The guys that made millions still struggle with life as well. They don't, they've not got a routine that you've been regimental for 20 years of getting up, having to be somewhere, you've got a boss, to then not having a boss um, is a difficult um, sort of task to, to get your head around. And I think that, that we can always do better. I always, I've spoke about this recently as well. I think the mental health side of things nowadays is massive and we can always get better at that. I think PFA and there's a lot of good external... Just before we come to the end of our conversation, I've asked footballers um, in this series and, and prior to this, did you get time to take stock of your journey and your career or was it all just a massive blur? A massive blur, I would say. Um, it's Honestly, until you actually retire, um, I don't think you you appreciate your career, I don't think you appreciate how much you put into it day in, day out, or the things you win as well, that's something that I always say to guys that are still playing just now, if you win a cup, whether it's the Scottish Challenge Cup, to the League Cup, to the Scottish Cup, to the Premier League, whatever you win, um, really appreciate it because it's difficult to win a cup, I, I won the League Cup, I won the, the Challenge Cup twice in my career, I won League One, the Championship, but I didn't really appreciate them at the time. Um, even the League Cup, that was massive. There's, again, out with Celtic and Rangers, there's not a lot of clubs that do that. So for Kilmarnock to win it, the Kilmarnock fans, a lot of them have said that give me the best. I've gave them the best day of their lives, um, which is great to hear when you go back and speak to these guys. But I don't think you do appreciate um, winning these things and how difficult it is to win them as well at the time. So yeah, I've reflected back on that a little bit and... Um, I try and educate guys that are in the game just now to, to really enjoy the moment when you get that because it's, it's really special. This has been Dr James's One Cap Wonders. Thank you very much for listening. Don't forget to subscribe to keep up to date with all of our latest episodes. 